This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here, go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are finding and redefining the sales game. And today... I have a really cool guest that I got to meet and know through a couple of different trips to New York last year, actually two years now, because two years ago I came to go big in Syracuse and spoke at that event. And then I was fortunate enough to spend some time with Lisa in New York city. When my good friend, Doug Benz put together his little get together up there where we got to go meet uh, Hank Watkins from Lloyd's and go to InsureTech New York and just really had a great time with everybody up there. But I always pay attention to who the people are that I work with and interface with anywhere I go. And it's not that I deal with a lot of bad people because that's not the case. I feel like everybody in the insurance industry for the most part is relatively friendly, relatively personable with a few outliers, but I pay attention to the people who really rise to the top and the people that I think exemplify where I want to be in the industry and where we should strive to be. And I can tell you, after spending some time just working with um, the Big Eye New York, spending time around their members, being at that event, and then watching how Lisa Lounsbury operates, she is somebody that I knew this audience needed to hear from. So our guest today is the president and CEO of Big Eye New York and the president of Big Eye Connecticut, which we'll get into that, I'm sure, but Lisa Lounsbury is a leader in this industry, and I want to make sure that I everybody heard what I said. She is a leader in this industry. She is not a female leader. And I think if we look at where we're at as an industry segment and we talk about being male, pale, and stale all the time, some of the little things that contribute to that is when you segment that some you know somebody's gender and leadership. You're either a leader or you're not. And I don't I don't see anything differently, but certainly. You were in a position where you were forced to hit a lot of the issues of the industry head on, whether that be legislative or otherwise. So before we get into all of that, Lisa, why don't you give everybody just a quick overview of who you are and talk a little bit about how you got into your position, because you're not somebody who stumbled into insurance. You have a family who had an agency. Yes. No. Well, thank you. It's uh, I, I'm super excited to be here and you know, likewise, David, you're a huge leader and you're doing a lot for the for the industry and agents. So thanks for 
all you do. And thanks for keeping everybody on, on track too. So like you said, I, you know, insurance is in my blood, literally in my blood. My um, dad started off in the industry. He was an underwriter way back when uh, for progressive insurance in Cleveland, Ohio, if you can believe that. I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, where he started his own independent insurance agency. He and my mom, he had been a producer at a larger agency in Erie. And I was probably in high school at the time and, you know, still vividly remember them physically building out their little office space that they were renting. And my weekend job was to go in with my mom and clean. And my mom was learning to be a, you know, a CSR to support my dad as he was growing his business. You know, I got to landscape when he got big enough and bought his own building, got to landscape in the summer. So I was always around insurance and I think had a really unique perspective to just see a business being built, let alone an insurance agency being built and all of the work that it took to do that. When I went to college, I was really interested in marketing. And it's funny you mentioned something about being a female. My dad took me aside. I went to the Miami. I know you're based in Florida, but I went to <laughs> the Miami of Ohio, not Florida. I'm very, very familiar. Have, actually, believe it or not, there's a, there's a pretty decent pocket of people from down here who have gone to school up there. They've got a good business school for sure. Yes, they do. They do. Yeah. So, you know, when I was thinking about my career decision and what I wanted to study in college, I thought I wanted to do marketing. My dad took me aside and said, you know, there's a lot of women in marketing, but if you could study finance, you're going to set yourself out, you know, a little bit differently and probably have more options available to you. You can always, you know, minor in marketing. So that's what I did. I studied finance and I minored in marketing, um, swore I would never get into the business, even though I had <laughs> gotten my license during one of my summers, you know, working for my dad in the agency in college. I did that and I rode horses, showed horses a lot too, but Ended up working for a great insurance company, actually right out of college and worked in their commercial lines training program, moved around with them quite a bit, moved over to their excess and surplus line side and got pulled back. Ironically, I was, you know, to work on their agency integration program, which was really their tech, you know, the first entry that they had to allowing agencies into their, their technology to quote, you know, quote, bind and do that type of stuff. So that's that's kind of how I got into the industry. I didn't have a choice. I, I thought I didn't want to do it. But, you know, I saw my parents were really happy. They had fun. They worked really hard, but they really believed in what they did. And it was always fun to meet my dad's customers. I suspect you're probably like him. Like he just got to be really good friends with a lot of his customers. And to hear the stories about how like the services or the advice or the risk management strategies that you know my dad and his team provided to his customers, and it allowed their businesses to blossom and to grow and to expand, was just really inspiring. So, as you know, it's a it's a great industry. I wish more young people got into it, but that's how I got into it. So I was working for a carrier, and my husband also worked for the carrier. That's where I met him. And uh, his family also had an insurance agency in upstate New York. And we were getting to the point where, um, you know, we're moving that every nine to 12 months, which was great. But that got old and that was going to be our trajectory for a while, probably. So we we ended up moving to upstate New York and he joined his family's agency. And uh, there was an opportunity at the Big Eye. I had met them 
during some carrier advocacy meetings out in Cincinnati, Ohio. And fast forward, um, 2024, I'll be celebrating 25 years here. So wow, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like I turned 50 this last year, and I'm not trying to put put you in an age box. By all means, you do not need. I'm right with you. Okay, I was saying you don't need to disclose anything unless you want to, but. (laughs) Man, you know, you hear all of this when you're growing up about how fast time goes by and you think, you know, but I got to tell you, like it, the weeks feel like days at this point. And yeah. I can only imagine that the older I get, the the months are going to feel like weeks. And it's, it's interesting, but I, I, I was smiling when you were talking, not in a forcible way. I, I, I'm just sitting here reflecting and I'm thinking to myself, I would never put my, try and put myself self in, in your dad's shoes but I'm kind of in the same position with four kids of my own owning an independent agency that they've watched me open from scratch right. with mom doing God knows whatever we need her to do to, to, to pitch in. Yep. And it's, it's interesting because from my, from that perspective, and I'm sharing this story because I want the people out there that are, that are owners of agencies to hear this perspective, because I, I get asked an awful lot. How, how did you get your, how'd you talk your son into coming into the business? How did you talk? And, and at this point, two of them, but two of my sons are, were with me in the agency. The answer is real simple. I didn't. I gave them an opportunity. And the reality is that when Grayson approached me about coming to work at the agency, the very first requirement I had for him was that he go work at Publix for two years before I ever talked to him about coming to work at the agency because I needed him to understand you know, general business, dealing with yeah. the public, customer service, adhering to his schedule, having some accountability. I don't have the patience to teach him all of that. I, I had an 18 year head start at that point. And so if I hadn't taught it to him by then, there wasn't anything else I was going to. And I, I also knew I needed him to do that to, to preserve our relationship with him coming in. I know yeah. my own shortcomings. When he came to me, though, he said, Dad, I really would like to come work with you at the agency. And I said, why? And he said, because you've always been there. When I've needed a coach, you've been able to coach. When I needed a ride, you always were able to give me a ride. You don't miss Caroline's gymnastics practices. You don't, yeah. You, yeah. he goes, He goes. we take nice vacations. We, you know, we're able to do things that I know my friends aren't able to do. And I want to be able to provide a life like that for my family when I'm ready to settle down. And I'm like, Good, because if you would have told me the answer was money, you wouldn't have come to work at the agency. Yep. So I, I say that a because good kid. that's what's he, important. That's great. I, I, I did. And I think that I'm very lucky in some regards because I know his dad. <laughs> I know what I, I know what I was like when I was that age. Yeah. But I, I tell people that because I think we're you know, we get so caught up in wanting our kids and wanting our families and we want to perpetuate. We want to hold things close. The reality is. You know, it's just like the the saying, if you love something, let it go. It's kind of the same thing. I really have never talked to any of my kids about coming to work at the agency. Landon's here now, and he's here because he's backfilling the void that Grayson left when Grayson got his license. He couldn't produce, he couldn't edit videos and, and do marketing things anymore. And I've always looked at it as even if they come into the agency and work in a job, if I can teach them at the level uh, that I understand some of these things, then even if it's not a long-term play in the agency, I'm setting them up with skills that they can go and use anywhere else. So yes. it's really, really, really been rewarding for me as, as a parent uh, because 
it's really cool to be able to go and when your kids are younger, you don't really think about it as much. I don't think, but with Grayson being 21 and turning 22 this year, I mean, I don't remember what the stat is, but I think somebody told me last week that by the time your kids are 18, they've spent like 85 to 90% of the time they'll ever spend with you in their entire lives. Oh, makes so sad. it does. <laughs> My youngest it? is going off to college in the fall. So you're making I know. me sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hate to hear stuff like that. So it really has been a blessing for us. And I have peace of mind knowing that I've got a way to perpetuate the agency and, and we're set up. We're actually set up perfectly for this because Kyle, who's normally my co-host on the podcast is also my top producer. And he is literally at the midpoint in age between me and Grayson. So yep. it's absolutely perfect. Grayson understands his role. He understands Kyle has been with me since, you know, he started in long before Grayson came into the picture there is no nepotism in my firm. He's going to have right. to work for what he gets. And he understands that part of that means he'll report to Kyle for a period of time before Kyle's ready to transition. And I think where family agencies get into trouble with stuff like that is they can't sit down. They, they, they don't sit down and talk about it. They don't outline it. It's not done in a matter of fact way. And the motion gets involved. And again, to your point of raising a good kid, when I said that to Grayson, his comment was, well, I absolutely would expect that. I would. I wouldn't yeah. want to come in and take over and skip over somebody else. So yeah. it's so interesting you, got, you say that we're talking, we've been talking a lot about how can we support our members with, do we call it succession or do we call it perpetuation? And, you know, yes, we know that M&A activity has been, you know, it's record setting, right? For the last four years, but I am part of what I love about my job is it's really important to me to go out and visit with our members. So I'm out, you know, I do 25 to 50 member visits a year. It's really mm. critical to me to make sure I'm in touch with what is our member going through, what's their life like, what's going on in the agencies, and to see it. I've been so encouraged. I've I've met with, I bet you a third of the agencies I've met with recently are in the midst of some type of succession within their agencies. They've they've not. And I don't want it like it's not negative if it if it if someone makes a decision to sell. I don't mean sell out as a negative term. That's not what sure. I mean. No, 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 but no. If they've decided that they do, they've got kids interested or family interested. Maybe it's nieces, nephews. It's really cool to see that process underway. And so, congratulations to you for you know doing a great job getting your boys in. That's awesome. Hopefully, Caroline will be interested too. Listen, she's the one my money's on. To be honest with you, <laughs> she's we, the youngest, we. right? She is, and yep. she is, she's three the, older brothers, three older brothers. Oh yeah. E Ethan will have his role, but it's not going to be selling anybody insurance. We know that for a fact, but you know, it's interesting because one of the things that I've had happen over the course of the last couple of years, and again, I, I want, if you're an agency owner and you're listening to this really important, you hear what I'm going to talk about is the people who held everything close to the vest, haven't collaborated with their team. And so their only option at this point is to sell to a third party. And yeah. it's interesting to see, I, I feel horrible for them. Part of me does, part of me doesn't, but you know, I'm the internet changes a lot. Obviously has changed a lot for all of us and the ability to be in touch with agents all over the country in online forums where you're sh sharing ideas and just war stories and whatever else really helps you mold your perspective if you can look at things with an open mind. And I can remember in some cases 
some of these agency principals were vehemently opposed yeah. to offering any type of equity or anything to people in their agency because darn it, it's mine. I built it on my back. I'm the one who took all the risk. I'm the one I, 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 and then they get to a point and now all you, they, they love the agency. They have literally controlled it. It's been their baby since day one. And now for them to have to turn around and, and sell it to a third party and basically relinquish anything, they don't know if their legacy is going to remain intact, not intact. Like I've had grown men crying on the phone because they don't know what they're going to do. And so again, it, it comes back to having the having the plan and, and thinking through it. And, and to your point, I think that's an excellent resource or at least topic of conversation for the big eye to to hand out to their members. I have another friend of mine who lost his mother, who was the agency principal unexpectedly. Yeah. And we're in we're in this industry and we counsel people on buy-sell agreements and key man policies and having perpetuation plans in place. But guess what? It didn't happen. It wasn't there. It was talked about. There's tons of emails going back and forth between attorneys, accountants, and and my friend's mom. But at the end of the day, unexpectedly, she passed away. And now he's having to deal with something he never thought he was going to have to deal with. And it's causing undue strain on his relationship with his extended family who has feels they have a claim to some of that asset and also at some point will probably take some toll on his marriage because that's going to happen yeah the more stressed he gets and so I, I feel like perpetuation planning by and large is something that we all know we should do it's inconvenient it requires time it requires intentional thought but my goodness, the worst thing you could possibly do to your family is have something happen to you and you don't have a plan in place for them. Right. If you love your family, you're not doing this for you. You're doing this for them. They don't want to have to pick up the pieces of what amounts to a very complicated business. Yeah. Yeah. If something were to happen. So I think you're on the right track with that for sure. Yeah. And it's cool too. I mean, every, I think the thing, the, the magic and the independent agent channel is you're all different, you know, and and some some agency principals who have built that that agency and they've you know they've kept everything close and it is about them that's okay too like you know that's that's the beauty of this business is there's not one right model it you know i think where the commonality lies is insurance agents are incredible advisors to their clients right like that's the commonality and how they go about doing that or their business structure you can do it however you want to do it. And that's a really, you know, when you look at entrepreneurship, like that's such an exciting opportunity, I think, for younger people, um, because there's no one best leadership method. There's no one best. It's whatever's best for you. Right. And and what you want to do with your business. So, well, and, and the numbers don't lie. So, you know, I say it all the time just because I don't agree with somebody who am I to criticize them? Right. Their agency is larger and more profitable than mine. You know, and you're right. There is no one way. And that's that's what makes it cool. I think the other thing, though, that highlights insurance agents, specifically independents, and I, I don't want to throw off on captives because I do believe they do a pretty good job of this as well, but we're also really good citizens in our communities. Yes. I mean, if yes. you think about it, you know, sometimes I get upset about it. I, I did a post a, a few years ago about I'm the guy. I'm the guy you call when you need your Little, little League team sponsored. I'm the yes. guy you call when you need this or you need that. 
but yet I'm sitting here looking at my book of business and I don't see anything reflecting in, in, in reflecting that in there. But I think that we're we're very charitable in our giving. We invest with our time, and it's not because of marketing. It's not because it's something that we're intentionally doing to try and grow our book. Obviously, I just made the remark. I'm not seeing it in my book of business, but that's not where my heart is. And, and it really, at the end of the day, I don't quit doing things just because I don't see the financial return in the agency. I believe that it's the right thing for me to do to invest in the community if I'm drawing on the community's resources. And so, yep. you know, we tr- we try and do the things that we can. And I feel like agents are put in a very unique position where we have the flexibility to do those things yep. and can make a significant impact. And to even take it further, watching agents band together with other agents who may be competitors or might be on the other side of the country, but they've been through something similar and they want to be there to help and uh, forward the initiative of their friends. So just the the kind of community that we have is really kind of amazing. It's unique. It's amazing. And it's it's funny. It's like you're describing one of the slides I use. I I speak at um, different insure tech conferences who, you know, I, I look at my responsibility and my role as making sure they understand what you guys do, right? Like they, we all know, you know, the insure techs came in and I think there was this fear that they would disrupt. And we know certainly a lot of them wanted to displace agents and kind of disparage agents. And, you know, when it comes down to that customer relationship, the agent owns that relationship. And I literally have like this slide of my independent agent friends in New York and Connecticut that are the volunteer firemen and women in their communities are on the school boards. They're doing the little league stuff. Like there is nothing that technology is going to ever like can't ever replace those relationships and, you know, who the customer thinks of as their insurance company. I mean, 90 plus percent of the time that customer is not thinking of the carrier. They're thinking of David Carruthers, right? And Florida yeah. Risk Partners. Like it's not Chubb or whoever it, it you know, it may be. It, it's you and your first responder and you're that first phone call. And that's never going to change. Technology is just going to enhance your ability to keep delivering on that. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. It, so, it frees it frees up my time and allows right. me to focus on delivering the best client experience that I can. Yes, I think you and I are in a unique position, though, from the generation that we were in, right? Because we're not the old guard who freaks out and we see like the the tinfoil hat wearing in short tech stuff, and we're also not necessarily the younger crew who thinks they're going to come and take all of our clients because they're going to make us obsolete. Right. I watched the internet get built. Like I, I watched, I didn't have email for a good bit of my life. Now I can't live without it. I didn't have websites to go to. Now I can have my anything pretty much at my fingertips. And so with age comes wisdom, obviously. Yeah. And I feel like as I've gotten older and I've watched technology develop, you know, in 
every facet of our lives, really, I just sit back and take a deep breath and say, okay, let's see where this is going. Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to overreact. Right. And a lot of the time, to your point, the, the, the tech companies might think they understand the business at a surface level, but we're really valuable to them too if we can be humble enough to go in and just let them ask questions and give feedback. I mean, yeah. I'm a big fan of InsureTech. I have quite a few InsureTech investments in my portfolio because I think that's where the future of our industry is. To your point, we're never going to replace our people. Our people are what makes us unique. That's what gives every agency its own flavor, its own culture. But I also think how agencies utilize technology is what gives them the efficiency necessary to focus on those other things that make the business stronger. Absolutely. If I'm not utilizing technology, do I really have the ability to take time to do team building activities and focus on culture? Probably not. You know, video proposals, what would have happened during COVID if we didn't adopt some form of technology? And not to mention the fact it changed the game forever moving forward. Yeah. We're at a point now where in, we take the majority of our first meetings over Zoom, not yeah. because we're lazy, but because COVID told us it was okay to do that. People were fine meeting over a Zoom. And second, because you're giving them a good bit of their day back that you would take from them if you had to go meet with them in yeah. person. And, it's a gift. And your own time, right? Yeah. So I think my biggest issue is I, I'm old school to a certain degree. I grew up running grocery stores, which is why I wanted my son to go there. I wanted him to understand how brutal that industry is. But I'm still going to shake somebody's hand. I'm still going to look them in the eye. I'm still going to wear a suit and tie to go do it. Yeah. But those biases sometimes keep me from adopting some of this tech as fast as I should. Right. Perfect example. We use a program to issue certificates for our clients. We can go in and create the template. They can't do anything to alter it, modify it. If they need special wording, they have it sends us an alert and we can go in and go to the carrier and get the endorsements or we can approve it or modify whatever. But if you just needed a vanilla certificate for proof of coverage, you can go into our system and have that in your end user's hands faster than what I could. you could even email me to ask me to do it for you. Yep. The reason that I have that is because I found out that my clients actually want that. I'm so used to the personal touch and doing everything myself when the reality of the matter is that's not what my clients want. They just they want, want to get the flipping certificate yeah. and be done with it. Yeah, they love talking to me, but they don't want to talk to me about normal service tasks. They want to yeah. talk to me about the things that I can control for them in, in terms of cost and everything else. And it was a really difficult thing for me to overcome. Yeah. Okay. I get it. I'm going to let them have that self-service because yeah. that's actually what they want. The reality is we get so caught up in wanting people to follow our rules or our process when all we have to do is meet them where they want to be met. Yes. Some yeah. people want to have a conversation on Twitter. Some people want to have a zoom meeting. Some people expect me to show up in a suit and tie for every meeting yep. and talk in their, in their conference room. So well, your your comment too about you know our generation you know I'm 51 we get I it is a benefit that we have you know different experiences and wisdom and and it and it reminds me your comment reminds me a lot of Big Eye Association so we kind of have to bridge this 
gap between modern future and there are some things that the associations do that you can't put a value on that are not tech driven and you know when you think about my business running an association and protecting independent agents whether it be in Connecticut or in New York one of the biggest things that we do is the advocacy side and i you know, I have to say, like, I, so going back for a second to my childhood, like, I watched my dad. My dad was, like, you know, agent number five in a very large national aggregator that's Keystone Insurance Group, like a, a big one based out of Pennsylvania. My dad was involved in that from the beginning. And I know David Bodker very well. So do I. And he's slept at my house a couple of times growing up with my dad. They were good pals. So uh, he, he should be an ad, he should be an adjective of his own. There's no other way to describe him other agreed. than to experience him. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. But, you know, I, I get frustrated when agents think big eye and I don't mean to get on a soapbox, but they think like the big eye is not relevant or not helpful to them compared to what an aggregator can do with markets. Because in my opinion, I think both are incredibly valuable and I think we work really well together. You know, so for example, you know, an aggregator is not in a position to be doing the immense regulatory and legislative work that we do. And if and if it did not take place, your agency would not be running and not like you you would not have the protections that you have for your business and your whatever clients. do you mean whatever do you mean lisa we don't have any legislative activity Nothing in florida in when florida. it comes to insurance. you have perfect market conditions i know kyle's kyle doesn't do anything he sits around but i mean it's there's i will so tell you you do, do have it you definitely have it at a different level in new york than what yes. we have it here but i i agree with you i think that i think that people it's one of those things that's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And if I were being critical, I, I think that at least from my own experience in my own state, I don't think it's talked about at a point where the agents even understand what's done for them. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And it, it's frustrating because I do know that I get things like every year when it's time to renew my membership, it says, Hey, add on so much for the state and the federal, you know, tax. But what what's that really mean? You know, yeah. and I feel like I That's have a, a different question. I think I think I have a, a different perspective only because I've had the fortune to travel and meet people in leadership at big eyes from across the country. I have friends that hold positions at big eyes in, in PIAs across the country. And so I know what their calendar says they're doing. I know that when they go to Congress and meet for you know those several days, that that's a big deal, but they're actually getting things done. But that's just the, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but that's, that's kind of the pomp and circumstance to me. That's the icing on the cake. Because when I was up there for go big, we actually had one of your lobbyists or, or a gentleman who works with the lobbyists. I don't remember his name Scott off the top Hobson, of my head. Probably. Yep. Yeah. And he yep. was in the process of dealing with like there were things with home inspections and all the yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. And the thing is, agents are really, really good. And I want to be very clear. I'm the one saying this, not Lisa. So nobody needs to blow back on her. Agents are really good about making excuses and complaining about things, but very rarely do they use that same level of effort to try and solve the problem. 
And the, it's the select few that are going in and actually stepping up and saying, no, I do want to work with the big eye. I do understand, you know, what's at stake here. I understand the commitment that I'm making, but I believe enough in this industry and trying to push things forward. I'm willing to sacrifice a part of my life to go do that. Yeah. I don't think we tell that story well enough. I, now, I will tell you, I can't say that I follow it on a regular basis. I think that the big eye New York definitely does. I can't say I've seen anything about Connecticut. I can only assume that it's the same based on your leadership, but you guys do a really, really good job of when something passes or something's going to vote. I know more about what's going on from the social posts of big eye New York than I know about what's going on in my own state. Yeah. So I do think, I do think to put a feather in your hat, y'all do a really, really good job of that. I just don't see that being equivocal across the board. Well, and and that's a, I mean that's a fair assessment. Thank thank you. I mean I th- I think number one we can always all do better. But the thing that's that I've learned. So again, like you know I've I've worked here since twenty five years. I've been in my role for about seven. And my big hesitancy into coming into my role is I love I love business. I love I love business. I do not love the politics. Right. I I don't. I like to make decisions. I like to be able to analyze, you know, ROI, understand risks. I like to measure things. I like data. Man, I'll tell you what, regulatory and legislative stuff, you think insurance is a relationship (laughs) business. It is a whole different universe when you are talking about that. And so because of that, what I've learned, all the things I got frustrated when I was kind of on the marketing business side of the association, I got so frustrated that we weren't talking more about all of these behind the scene meetings, whether it be with carriers or regulators or legislators, because I said just what you said, our members need to know what we're doing. What I have learned is trust as you build these relationships there are things that happen that, you know, a legislator or a regulator or care, like we have to form trust. And there are some things and some work that has to be done for them to trust the data that we're giving, trust the positions that we are advocating for. And if we were out all over Twitter every single time, like we were having these conversations, they would just be done with us. Like they would not talk to us take us seriously anymore. So it's a really, and I'm not making an excuse because you have a great, but what no, no, I've no, no. learned I, I think, is it's a I think, hard balance. It's a no, really think, hard balance. I think it's, I think you're hundred percent right. There's no way possible for you to be calling a play-by-play of everything that's going on. Right. That would be, that would be ridiculous. And for an agent to expect that is, is equally as ridiculous. I think that, that my thing is twofold. Number one, I think that you're a great example of an association that does a very good job of putting the information out that agents should consume. Okay. That's all we could ask of you. And yeah. when I say you, I'm talking about every association in the country as agents. That's all we can ask for agents. You got to consume the information. If they're putting it out, if they're sharing it, you got to go and 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 keep up to to date with what's going on and be part of this because it's a whole lot easier to make things happen when we're all rowing the boat in the same direction and i think that's where i see a disconnect i don't even see that it's getting out to where people 
people have the ability to consume it. And yeah. you know what? Maybe it is. And and I just don't know where to look. But I also know that my peer group can be fundamentally lazy sometimes and not go look for those things. It's well, I would not say you're lazy. I'd say you're really busy. <laughs> I mean, I don't really think of any independent agent as being lazy. I think you're really busy solving problems and you are dealing with a lot of stuff. But the other thing I would say about the narrative, something that I've tried to be really, and I think we have done a good job of changing the narrative. We used to feel like, and I feel like sometimes states associations still feel like this, that we can't report on something until we've had success or it's come to a conclusion. And we've changed in Connecticut, New York, how we report on things, because to your point, I think it's just as important for the members to know what it is we're working on. While we may not have all the answers, it may not be finalized, we may not even think that we can get it done. You need to know what we're doing on your behalf to try and protect your business. So, you know, we do these things called gear up webinars now. We do we do them in New York and Connecticut where we've got a, a legislative or regulatory topic that's coming up. We don't know everything about it yet, but it's something that's on the horizon that the members do need to start paying attention to. And we share as much as we can and kind of say, this is like part one. There's more coming to this, you know, more episodes coming to this topic. And I think that, I mean, it's been so well received in both states. We've taken on some some battles. And David, I mean battles that we knew we were not going to win. Like odds were not in our favor, but someone needed to challenge them. And in New York, I'm really proud to say the big big eye is the only producer group that has challenged some stuff that we knew wasn't going to be victorious. And I think it was just as important to our members that we got in the ring versus what the outcome was. Because by getting in the ring, you know, we're able to set some precedent that if things translate down the road like we think they may, there's at least a documented history of it being challenged, right? And like that not happening. So it is, it's, it's tricky. It is tricky, but it's one of the most important things that we do as a trade association. And it's so hard to put a value on. Agents say to me all the time, like, well, what's that worth in dollars? I don't know. Like what, what is it worth in dollars that you still have nine insurance trading partners to offer to your clients? Like how do you, because we've, we've made somehow New York state a little bit better for them to do business in, or, you know, it's, so a lot of it's hard to put tangible. Yeah, what's what's it worth to you in dollars to not have a ridiculously hard market, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot exactly. of the issues we're facing here in Florida had to be fixed legislatively before we could even think about yes. dealing with it at the carrier level. And so we, I think we got a good bit of that done last year with some of the legislation that was passed. And I know that, that we still have a, a ways to go, but just being able to go in and put a cap on the attorney's fees and get rid of assignment of benefits and some of the other things. Yeah. You know, but my question is how, you know, and this is rhetorical, I don't expect you to answer, but how many of my peers even know that that went on? Right. You know, and, right. and the reason, the reason agents that this is important is because these are the questions you get asked. Yeah. You just get asked in a different way, in a different like dialect, I guess, if you want to call it from a language perspective, it's disguised as why did my homeowners go up 25%? Well, your homeowners went up 25% because of A, B, and C. And these are the things like we yeah. need to be able to speak to that. And I think that's another thing too, with regard to the associations, the ability for agents to be able to get an outstanding 
errors and omissions uh, product from their association is a big deal. We get market access, big deal. And, you know, the other piece that's continuing ed. And I think that's another area where we really, as a group, should focus. I feel like continuing education is pencil whipped a lot of the times at the agent level. And I, I know this because I see people posted, well, I got my set a new record. I got my continuing it done in 10 minutes. I you yeah. know was able to get all the way to the end to take the test and pass. What service are we really doing for our clients? If that's how we're, how we're doing it. And I just, yeah. I think that there's so many tangibles that we can point to. I can tell you right now, my agency has been in business for going on eight years this year. We turn eight in June or July of this year. Outside of going and getting my agency license and my FEIN and all that, the very first thing I did was join FAIA. I had to. I needed somebody that I knew was going to be in my corner that I could call if I had questions, also had some market access, also got my E&O through them. I mean, everything works really, really well. But I mean, I didn't even have a second thought. That's immediately where I went because I knew I couldn't do it by myself. Yeah, And I I do feel like agents may be clouded a little bit in how they perceive things because I do, I I agree a hundred percent with what you said. Aggregators and associations work better when they're working side by side than when they're trying to compete. Yeah, because they're not really competing. They're not really trying to do the same thing. And one couldn't replace the other. And, you know, you mentioned education. I mean, now more than ever, especially with all that we're seeing with AI and generative AI and RPA, agents need to know their stuff. So in New York and Connecticut, we don't just do continuing education classes. We have a leadership academy. And and by the way, most big I state associations are in the same boat. Like we're trying to train and help all of our members be technically sharp. Whatever your focus is, whatever we can bring to you, how do we give you the edge over a chatbot? Because someone's got to check their work. Someone needs to know what's going on. We know there's been a, you know, carriers, and I don't mean to speak negatively of carriers, but with all of the automation they've seen, you know, with rating and underwriting, their underwriters are not as equipped as they used to be in the past with the training they're given or the expectations they have. So it is more important now than ever that agents are sharp, that they know their stuff and they're educated. And I don't care if you get it through continuing education or at an event. I mean, that's why we have events. Like we, we don't build our events at Big Eye in New York and Connecticut. We don't build them around continuing education. We build them around topics that our members need to know about. If we can get CE, great. But if we can't, we're not worried about it. We want to make you a better insurance trusted advisor to your clients. And even going back for a second to the legislative stuff, we had a board meeting last week and Coupled with that, we brought in um, our G100, which is our most engaged group of agent advocates, right? And we had a, a, a young woman, actually Doug Benz knows really well from Western New York, who sat in at our board member. She leads the Western New York local, Lisa Hoosanoff, you probably met her when you were out there. I did. Say, you know, 
One thing that we don't do a good job of is, you know, she's someone that's always going to the national legislative conference. She's coming to New York and getting involved. But she said, this helps me with my clients because I not only am I doing things on behalf of the association, 99.9% of the time, like all of those issues you rattle off in Florida, they're good for your customer, right? They're good for citizens of Florida. So I can say to someone, listen, I just went and I lobbied on X, Y, or Z topic. I'm really well versed in it. Did the agent down the street do that? Do they know what I know? Who's going to take care of you better? So getting engaged, while it's not for everybody, you guys know insurance. And it's only because of agent engagement in New York that we've had some recent successes legislatively. Our members made the difference. Your voice matters a lot more than mine when you're talking to a regulator or a legislator. They want to know what's going on there with their constituents. So being involved in whatever trade association, but especially, of course, I have to say big eye, like it gives agents an advantage 100%. You get all those wonderful things you rattled off, but it helps you be a better agent. It helps you better serve your customers take care of your family, do all the things, meet all of the needs, you know, the reason that you started your business eight years ago, right? So what's your favorite part about your job? People. Like there's no, I just love- um, There's no end. There's no end to people that in the insurance industry. Yeah, the relationships. And, and characters specifically. The friendships I have. I mean, I could go to any state in the country. I'm sure you could too. And I've got a, a friend there, but- by far, it's just all of the incredible people that I've met, great mentors. Um, I love being a mentor now to people as well. Like it's just, it's an awesome, awesome industry. And it's just limitless. You know, if you've got, we all, we both know Aaron Gordon, like if you've got hustle and you've got <laughs> grit, guy's the limit, you know, you just, you can keep doing things. So I love the people. That's my favorite part about the industry. I am not a technician. So am I right to also know that you're a marathon runner? Um, you would be wrong. I'm a 5K queen, but no, no okay. marathons for okay. me. Okay, I knew you ran. I wasn't sure if you ran marathons or not. No, no, no. You I'm could. a horseback rider. I, that's, that's what I used to do was I used to show horses and do that. So Okay, I'm, got it. Yeah, yep. Okay, good deal. Well, then we won't go back and compare marathon stories then. <laughs> Are I, you I, a I'm, marathon uh, no, not anymore, but I have run three, believe it or not. Wow. So yeah, it's, um, that's, that's incredible. The, the reason I can't run them anymore is because I ran those three. The training is absolutely brutal. And especially I was overweight when I decided I was going to do it and the training absolutely destroyed my knees. So I have it, it eventually obviously lost weight because I was running up to 20 miles on my long runs there right oh. before right before I ran the first one, but yeah, it takes a lot of wear and tear on, uh, on your body that you might not necessarily feel at the level that it's destroying it at the time. It's still yeah. it's painful, you, you know, when you've trained, but at the yes. same time, it, it feels a lot worse today than it did then. Yeah. So talk a little bit just in what we'll wrap up with this, but what do you, what's next on the horizon? I mean, where, where do you see things heading in New York as much as you're willing to share or able to share like anything exciting in terms of initiatives or things that you're getting ready to push out that you want people to hear about? Yeah. Gosh, we've, yeah. I mean, well, we have our go big event, May 13th and 14th, which, and and I think the thing we do here is we just keep reimagining. So, 
every time you go, it's different. You know, we don't, we're just uh, creating things. I just, right before this call, I just spent time with my staff team talking about doing some um, women-centric um, leadership and network programming. You know, there's a lot of, um, I'm really happy to see a lot more female agency owners, principals, senior execs, and just helping them create a network. Um, you know, that's when you think about why our association was founded, 1882, like it was to create a community of insurance agents. You know, this is obviously well before the days of the internet. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Big Eye is a big family and how can we make sure all the kids are taken care of and they all, you know, meet their friend groups and their peers. So um, we just, there's a lot going on. You know, we're helping our members with technology, with Catalyst, that's going incredibly well. So, you know, we're doing consulting. That's the other piece of our business we're growing out right now. We're doing a lot of operational consulting and helping our members. I, I feel like that's something that they need more than ever, especially as they're introducing new technology and just, you know, how can we help them so they can be more efficient, be more profitable, be more consistent. Like you were saying earlier, if someone keeps everything up in their brain and they're not documenting and sharing that information, how does that agency live on? So what's our role in all of that? But yeah, there's a lot, lot going on at Big A, New York and Connecticut. So I would expect nothing less. You guys have a vibrant group up there, and that's a reflection of leadership. Really enjoyed my time when I got to come up. So I, Thank I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. I mean, we've been going about an hour. I, I think we, is there anything that I uh, left off the table that you wanted to, to get out? No, thank you. Thanks for this opportunity to chat. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I, I've been all over the country. I've met the rest. You're listening to the best. So I'm really thankful Lisa took time out of her schedule to come and uh, and hang out for, for the last little bit and, and share her story. If you're in New York and you're not involved in the big eye, what are you waiting for? Like she just gave you millions of reasons why they need you. It's don't, don't wait for the person that's down the street to do it first. Don't wait for somebody else to show you the way, jump off the cliff, get involved. You're not going to regret it. The only thing negative that could come from any of this is you not taking action. So Take action, get involved in your big eye, and then come back and tell us the success stories because I can promise you this, you're going to be around a lot of people that are going to make you much, much better tomorrow than you were today. We're going to wrap it up. Lisa, thanks again. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, David. Yes, ma'am. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 